Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to Turner's Take Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Turner, author of Turner's Take Newsletter and a broker here at StoneX. I specialize in the grain and oil seed markets. Members of my team we also have experts in energy and livestock, plastics, interest rate, fertilizer, um, anything to do with the futures and options markets and commodity space. Uh, feel free to give me a call anytime. Uh, my number is 312-706-7610. Email is craig.turner at stonex.com. If you're a client, you should also have my cell phone. Feel free to call or text anytime. If you like the podcast, please go check out, give us a positive review on iTunes and send it out to whoever you might might like it. Um, if you want to check out my newsletter, Turner's Take, and uh, you know, for my clients here, I write Turner's Take Premium uh, with our, you know, basically our, our trading advice, hedging advice, and spec advice. Um, you can contact me about that or sign up for a trial online see if you like it um that is about it for the intro here let's talk about the WASD today uh it was released a couple hours ago and let's you know let me uh let's get into exactly what they said all right i got this up in front of me we're gonna go corn soybeans wheat for corn Ending stocks actually increased a little bit, um, even though yields came down. Demand came down and harvests and acres went up. They incorporated some of the insurance data. So it was bearish for corn, but we're already in the 480s with these corn. And I think we ended at about 10 cents lower today and somewhere in the mid 470s there. I mean, going forward, we'll probably find some support, maybe a Maybe we go down to 460. There's going to be a lot of corn harvested here in the United States. Whatever gets stored, gets stored, but the rest of it's going to have to be sold. So I can see a little bit of selling pressure here, but that was on the margins. It was it, it was bearish. It was mildly bearish for expectations. And there's nothing really bullish about 2.2 billion uh, ending stocks on corn either. So that's... Uh, and then in terms of like world carryout, world carryout went up about 2 million metric tons. So again, no help from the the world carryout. I'm sorry. Yeah, about 3 million metric tons. So no real help on the world carryout. Also, uh, year over year, world carryout numbers are increasing about 14 million metric tons. Um, so that's the story with corn here. I actually, well, I'll talk about it in my my newsletter, but I do have some ideas. I think... They're going to center around for a, a little while here on just the corn being a neutral market and their strategies for that um, that we'll be exploring. But I think that's what's going to happen here for the next month or two. Now, on soybeans, let's take a look here. Ending stocks came in at 200, let's see, 220. And you can make the case that is close to 
pipeline minimums for soybeans. You know, we would have said it was like 150 or so, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but the soybean trade has certainly expanded. And, you know, when you take a look at uh, biodiesel and, and the crush and the exports, you can make the case, you can make the case that pipeline minimums for soybeans are somewhere between, let's say, 150 million and 200 million bushels. So it's hard to see U.S. soybeans come down below 200 at the moment. Um, and any kind of loss in production equals loss in demand on the export side. And it could probably, for the, for the, it could probably be some, shift some exports down to South America still. Brazil does have about a 300 million bushel carryout, 8 million metric tons, and they they will, you know, they will draw that all the way down if they if they have the opportunity. So I think that's what's going on there with soybeans. Market didn't love it, but we were only down 20 cents, and we're in the high 13s, and you get a you know a report that's bearish against expectations. 30, 20 to 25 cents in soybeans really isn't the end of the world here. So that was the uh, that was the price action today, um, but I will say this: it is here's the thing with soybeans that we'll we, we'll comment later in the newsletter. But just to kind of put it out there, there is a point where when the United States loses yield, let's say we go from 50 to 49 to 48. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if that were going to happen, there is a point where you can't keep shifting exports from the United States to South America. And then at that point, you need price rationing on the global market. What that point is, I'm going to go take a look and I'll probably write about that this week and see where we're, you know, where we can expect prices to be and at what point that is. But that's an interesting, that is really what we're trying to figure out here in the soybean market. I like, I like calls. There are, sir, I was uh, writing about January and March calls. I like those uh, because if you do get a weather rally in South America, um, that can impact the soybean balance sheets pretty fast. I know a lot of people on Ag Twitter, Twitter today were saying, hey, 220 million bushels on, on soybean ending stock isn't bearish. I agree. It isn't bearish. But is it bearish against expectations when we're really trading 1380 in November soybeans? Yeah, you can see some selling there. Um, I don't think we're going to go sub 12 but it's hard to rally past 14 with that kind of number. And I wouldn't be surprised if soybeans are solidly in, in the 13 area because as during harvest, as, as corn and soybeans are harvested, I'm sure more corn gets uh, stored over soybeans and there's going to be some selling pressure from that, especially when corn is going to be 470 on the board and futures for November beans are still like 1360. It could be 1370. I mean, you're going to, I don't know. In my mind, that means you sell the beans and you store the corn and look for, and look for a rally. Um, well, that'd be the, that, that'd probably be the majority of the thinking there. Where you sell the beans and you buy them back on paper or you follow my recommendation and, you know, with the, with the call ideas that we had. Um, I like that because I think I do think you get tight enough in beans here. You could rally. Also, here's the thing with soybeans. While it's not bullish now, all right, for that report was bearish against expectations. We're going to have harvest pressure. You get to October and November, demand picks up 
and or we get weather problems down in South America, your new crop eventually becomes old crop and a 220 carry out on new crop may warrant 13 soybeans, but it could be significantly higher for old crop if it's 200 or dips below because of either increased demand or a South American production issue. So um, that's why if you are selling beans off the combine, um, that's why I was talk, uh, writing about ways to kind of do re-ownership. If you're a client here, you should be getting my emails on that and you can let me know if you're not. Um, you can certainly reach out and I'll, uh, you know, we can talk about what it takes to, you know, to be a client over here, but we're not going to be doing any more free racks or anything like that. Um, so let's go to the wheat market. Um, so wheat, while corn and soybeans were bearish against expectations, and I, 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 that phrase is important because corn is actually kind of bearish at 2.2 billion carryout. But there's nothing bearish about a 200 million carry on soybeans unless you compare it to some other bullish expectation that you had. Now, on the wheat market, wheat market I thought was bullish. And I thought it was bullish high protein wheat. When you take a look at the US wheat numbers, nothing really changed. We had 615 on the ending stocks in August. We're at 615 now. The average trade estimate thought it might come down 2 million bushels. That is barely a drop in the bucket. But if you look at world carryout numbers, and the average trade estimate was about 264 million tons, and last month we were at 265 million tons for ending wheat stocks for the 23-24 marketing year, and the range of estimates were 260 to 266, and the number comes in at 258, not only we were six off on the average, we were two below even the lowest number, and that's bullish. So when you take a look at when you take a look at the the price movement today, you'll see spring wheat's up, you'll see Kansas City wheat's up, and they were up. I want to say between eight to twelve a piece um, for the day, while corn was down nine to ten, beans were down a little bit over twenty. Chicago wheat had been mixed all day, getting tugged down lower by corn, but dragged up higher by the high protein wheat. And that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense based on where we were on that world carryout. And when I take a look, um, I went to the StoneX website here, and we have some uh, charts that are uh, built in in market intelligence. One of them is major wheat exporters uh, stock to use ratio. And the major wheat exporters are Argentina, Australia, Canada, European Union, United States, Ukraine. Kazakhstan, Russia. All right. We're at a 13.4, 13.3% stock to usage for the major wheat exporters. We have not been this slow since 2007, where we hit 13. So we are getting close to, we're not that far from being even lower in two, than 2007. Um, so, Wheat should be elevated. Now there is Chicago wheat, that soft red winter wheat. We are, we did have a 15% increase in acres. The United States is increasing um, production, but Canada is going to have a little bit lower production. Um, that's what the USDA is counting. Uh, the spring wheat in the United States is okay, uh, but you know we still have lower. And we still have lower production at Ukraine. You know, some of those acres that we lost 
never came back. Um, they're still not being planted. And there's definitely issues out of the Black Sea. When you add it all up, um, we are actually going to use more this year than we produce. And major wheat exporters are going to have to dip into stocks. That alone keeps wheat prices elevated. And it's really just this thing of how high do how high does high protein wheat can be or need to be um high protein wheat probably doesn't rally as much as it deserves to be just because the chicago wheat and the corn kind of play a little bit of an anchor on it uh and then you know canola and soybeans are gonna be relatively tight more so soybeans than canola and while wheat's gonna be tight for another year we're not gonna get a shot to bring until probably may or june when northern hemisphere winter wheat production comes back online and that's the next time where the world has a chance to actually increase major exporter stocks and produce more than we'll consume but that's not until may june when we finally get that's going to hit the market and then for soybeans and oil seeds you know it there's really no major shot of oil seeds until south american harvest so we're talking march you know, when it starts to come online and actually be available so there's some time here of needed price rationing where prices deserve to be elevated i think corn tends to benefit from that because the others are going to be high and need to do a little need to do a little work on the rationing side and then finally the the big wild card here is soybean oil soybean oil responded pretty well today at the end of the close um we're in the second half of the trading, the second part of the trading session after the WASD came out. Uh, there is going to be an increased use. I think the USDA is. I generally don't have a problem with the numbers the USDA puts out, just because. Yeah, if you understand their process, you realize sometimes why they're behind the market. Um, and I'm not saying i agree with the methodology i just just understand that they have a way of doing things and sometimes they're slower to update certain numbers just because of the the way they work that yields are a great a great example of that but so is so is exports um and and demand i think on the soybean oil side we're going to see a higher crush than what the usda is is posting at the moment it is going to put pressure down on ending stocks and just the way I mean, you take a look at soybean crush it's still profitable and these mandates for renewable biofuels are not going anywhere so i still like soybean oil i'm going to be writing about that again in the next day or two here looking at ways to get some exposure uh to the soybean oil market um, i'll put that in turner's take premium and we'll also be going over that in the client webinar uh, but I going forward, I like that. I like ways of getting long the soybean soybean market in case there's South American weather issues. And I've got a more neutral stance on corn, so I'm gonna be looking at ways to 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 help eat farmers out um, using neutral strategies, and probably be some pretty interesting spec plays on that too. Finally, you know. I wasn't looking at high protein bullish strategies or think it wasn't on my radar until until this report, but we're gonna be tight here for another year. And 
man, if if there's any kind of escalation in Russia, Ukraine again, which doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon, or if the rice situation gets work, worse, you got to remember, you know, wheat's a substitute for you know basically global global calories here, especially that high protein wheat. I and mean, we'll use the low protein stuff for feed, but you're not you know, you're going to be using more of the high, higher protein stuff for for human consumption where you can. Um, so that could be an interesting story. So we'll, we'll, we'll be taking a look into that too. As far as the energy markets go, I still like crude oil. I know we've had a run up here um, and I'm not surprised. The days of supply has been coming down and getting to points that we, you know, points we haven't seen and where it's gotten as low as we've seen in the past three years. Meanwhile, the usage is high, not just domestically, but there's also a lot of, Exports of United States energy, especially crude oil to other parts of the world because OPEC has cut production and they're going to keep that production low. And it's actually forced maybe non-traditional uh, clients in the United States or you know import countries that import oil to come to the United States where they normally would have gone to, to an OPEC country. So we're seeing that play out. And the United States has to fill up the SBR and they're doing that. And they just end up doing it at higher prices which, um, you know, probably shouldn't have been buying at 70, but hey, now they're buying at 85. But, uh, and that's what's going on too. Natural gas is starting to break out a little bit here. It's definitely looking a little bit more bullish. Um, could have a colder winter. And, and there's also, there's also uh, concerns about European supply this winter and diesel. Diesel is, there's concerns about shortages of diesel, not in North America, but more in Europe, but that's flooding over into the U.S. market too. So there'll be some, uh, I think we need to look at some ways to, to hedge that also. Um, if you have any questions for me, if you're a client and you want to get into some of these markets, uh, let me know. I'll be putting them through Turner's Take Premium. If you're not a client and you want to know more about us and you know, how you can work with us over here and get access to um, what we're doing on the trading and hedging side, feel free to call me. Uh, number is 800-958-9470-312-706-7610. Or you can email craig.turner at stonex.com. Uh, finally, if anyone has any questions or feedback, you're always welcome to, you know, to, to reach out. I'm even happy to answer some questions through the podcast. And, you know, going forward here, I would say, listen, we have to get through harvest. We don't. We tend not to make seasonal lows in years of abundant stocks or adequate stocks until we get at least probably 50% through harvest, and we're not there yet. Not in U.S. corn or uh, or soybeans, anyways. I don't think so. Definitely not soybeans. Um, and even with corn, we're still we're still kind of in the first half of harvest here. So I think. So yeah, so we probably have another week of weakness or choppiness in corn, definitely probably two in soybeans. And then we'll see what happens here. We got to see exports pick up. And while the USDA only brought down yield so much, um, if there were if if yield deserves to come down further in corn and soybeans, it's going to show up in the field, you know, the reports coming from the field over the next two to four weeks and we'll be all over ag twitter and we'll see it 
and and uh, don't have a little bit better idea of what's going on here. So that is going to be the podcast for the week. I hope everyone um, hope everyone's doing well. Feel free to contact me anytime, and I'll talk to you all soon. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniel's Trading Broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniel's Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others. Due to various factors, such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market analysis, and other factors, such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www.danielstrading.com. Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.